John is writing to the early church. Specifically, this is going to be a letter. And he's writing this to keep them from crashing. That's why I told that story. As I thought about this passage, he sees this church going in a direction that is very dangerous. So he's saying, watch out. He actually uses that language. I think when we get in verse 8, you're going to see that word very, very much. So watch out because danger is ahead. Danger is ahead. These red flags, these red lights are going off all around. And so he writes, he pens this letter to the early church. And today, it gives me an opportunity, by the way, today, if you're new to Hope, and some of you are first-time visitors today, so glad you guys are here. And uh, some of you guys may have missed some of the messages in this series where we walked through 1 John. That's where we stopped last week. We finished 1 John two weeks ago, uh, when we finished up uh, two weeks ago, my last message. So it gives me an opportunity to recap all of that in one message, because that's really what 2 John is. We're going to get all of this truth that we got in 1 John in short letter form. Because if you remember, 1 John was not a letter per se. It really was more a message, a sermon to the early church. And so it's not addressed to anyone. It's just a message for the early church. But today, as we read 2 John, this is a letter. And it's different from 3 John that we're going to talk about next week. As it's not addressed to a name, and we'll see this, it's addressed to a lady. So let's read it, Second John, we're going to begin in verse 1. And today, let's let the inerrant word of God be the driving force. You like what I did there? Driving force. Man, I miss Julie. Julie Vaughn, if you're watching, like, I could always count on a laugh from Julie and all my really bad jokes that I tell. Julie... And Ken, man, we miss them. They moved uh, to help take care of his dad and transitioned to retiring to Tennessee. And man, we miss them. I think the last Sunday that we had them was a few weeks ago. They are missed greatly. So let's read Second John, beginning in verse 1. The elder, that is the way that John describes himself here in Second John and also in Third John. The elder, to the lady chosen by God and to her children... Whom I love in the truth, and not, only, not I only, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. I could preach a whole message on verse 2. That is an incredible verse. Can I read that again? We're going to come back to it. But because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us Forever, Verse 3, grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father, and from Jesus Christ, the, Father, the Father's Son, who will be with us. There's that word again. He will be with us in truth and love. He goes on. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded. And now, dear lady, I'm not writing you a new command, but one we have been, that we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. If you've been hanging around, these are things that we've talked about quite a bit over the past few months. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. And as you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Why is he saying this? He says in verse 7, I say this because many deceivers who do not, who, who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. 
any such person is a deceiver and the Antichrist. We covered this in in 1 John. Anything that is not in line with Christ is, in essence, by definition, Antichrist. So it's not talking about the one Antichrist that John, the Revelator, the same John author, writes in Revelation. One day, Devin, you're going to teach through Revelation. Devin's not here, but he is joining us online. I can't wait till you teach through that. He's going to teach us all about that Antichrist one day. I'm giving him a hard time about that. But uh, any, anything that doesn't line up with the truth, the biblical Jesus is anti-that, anti-Christ. That's what it's talking about there in verse 7. In verse 8, here's that language. Watch out, watch out, that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. This that they have been working on and with God on is so amazing. So, so guard it, protect it, and there is a reward when we do that. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the, in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. So it's really bearing down and make sure that, that what people are teaching is in line with what God has already said. God has already said these things, already spoken these things. Make sure it's lining up with that. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your sister who is chosen by God send their greetings. I have five challenges for you. If you take your notes out, uh, there's five specific things there. But may I, be, may I just say that, that there's a, a little bit of debate, has been since, uh, since people had this in their hands. There, there's been debate about whether this is written to a lady, literally, or Symbolically, is this written to a specific church, which over and over in Scripture is described as the bride of Christ? Now, no matter which way you fall, it doesn't change the five truths that I'm going to talk about. But as you look at that, and I read a lot over the past several weeks about this, I really fall in the, this really is a, a, a metaphorical letter written to the bride of Christ, the church. And it really is John, who is an incredible shepherd of this church in Ephesus, and, and this, these things are being passed around, so all the other churches have been planted in, planted in Asia Minor. It really is him pouring out and, and addressing, like, there's, there's some things going on, just like in First John, and I'm going to write to you in love to shepherd you to say, watch out for these things. If you look at verse 6, verse 8, and verse 10, you find verbs in the plural form, and so it doesn't line up with one lady. It's really talking about the lady, the bride, who is made up of multiple, any of those who confess Jesus as Savior and Lord. That is the church, capital C. And so as we think about five challenges, I think I entitled this drive-by, because it really is so quick. I'm going to go quick through this message, but all that we've talked about in First John, this is a drive-by of John saying, hey, watch out and remember these things that he's already said 
in 1 John, and this has already been passed around, this sermon, this message that had been passed around. So the first one we find in verse 2, this challenge for us, is that we would be united in truth and love. We are to be united people, but not just for the sake of being united. We are united in truth and love. And I love verses 1 and 2. We find, especially verse 2, as we think about what unites us is the truth. And on face value, as we read that, we think that the truth. Like, that's the knowledge that we hold in our hands, which is true. We are united in this Truth. It is what binds us together. But in a much deeper sense, we remember that, that Jesus said in chapter 14 of John, the same writer, God through his spirit, speaking through John, that, that Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so he is saying, knowing the truth, the knowledge, but really what he's selling, he's saying in a much deeper sense is that this truth is not only dwelling in our minds and we know it, we're really talking about Jesus himself that came and dwelled physically among us. That's what the incarnation of Jesus means. We celebrate that at Christmas, right? Woohoo, gifts. Why do we have gifts? Because the greatest gift is that God himself God's Son came and dwelt in bodily form with us. We call that the incarnation. So God was, came with us. Why? So that he could dwell in us. And so that's the, that's the truth there, that the God in flesh is not only dwelling among us, he's dwelling in us. So that is what unites us. It is that same song that we sang, that last one, that, that if we could just focus on Jesus, all of the things around us would fade away. If we could just see and experience the real risen Messiah, Son of God, Jesus Christ, if we could only see that and know it and and, and faith in it, believe in it and trust in it, that is what unites us. So be united in truth and love. And there's two extreme misconceptions that people have concerning the Christian life. The first is this, It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere and loving. You'll hear that a lot today. It doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you love people and you're sincere about it and you're a good person. The second one is it doesn't matter how you live as long as you believe the truth. May I say to you that both of those are wrong. They don't line up with what God says. The reason why both views are just as wrong is because the word of God binds both truth and love inseparably. Truth and love go hand in hand. They are friends, not enemies. John Stott said it this way, Our love is not so blind as to ignore the views and conduct of others. Truth should make our love discriminating. On the other hand, we must never champion the truth in a harsh or bitter spirit. So the Christian fellowship should be marked equally by love and truth, and we are to avoid the dangerous tendency to extremism. Talking to myself. I'm talking to you. He's talking to you as well. We are to avoid the dangerous tendency of extremism, which those two views I love. Can I read that again? 
is what John is trying to express. Like these two go so hand in hand. We can't have one or the other. They are the same. And they come from the same, the truth, Jesus Christ. It, it, it It grounds us in these truths that our love grows soft if it is not strengthened by truth. And our truth grows hard if it is not softened by love. We need to live according to scripture, which commands us both to love each other in the truth and to hold the truth in love. So the first challenge is for us to be united. And if you were here a few weeks ago, I talked about how important that is for us here as a church. That that scripture says so often that we have to protect the unity of the body of Christ. And that's so important, especially in this season where so much is going on. I'm coming back to that in a little bit. But the second thing we find in verse 4 is to be found in the truth. I love verse 4. It has given me great joy, John says. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded. Do you see the picture there? John's looking at, at the way the church is living their life. He's saying, look at that. They get it, and they're living it out. He's such a great parent, shepherd of the early church. Because I find myself with my kids doing the opposite so often. Like, I'm always looking for what they do wrong. Like, I, 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 I admit to you today, confess, that so often I as a parent, and we need to do that, right? We need to correct that. That's called discipline. This is good. But if we only look for the wrong and don't affirm what the right, well, that's probably not very good balanced parenting. Well, can I just tell you today, that's not what God does to us. That's not the heart of God to us. That's not the heart that that God gave John. He says, it gives me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth. God is not this God with one of those electric animal cattle prods. And he's up there saying, every time he do something wrong. God is not like that. And it doesn't make wrong right. Wrong's wrong. And scripture is very clear about that. But, but the Spirit of God always loves, just as we talked about in 1 John, I remind you, is that spiritual attaboy. God the Father loves to, to come along his children and say, look, yes, you're not perfect, but look how far you've come. Look, look how good you're doing. Look at these specific things. Look how you are being obedient. So this, the second thing is the challenge for us is to be found in truth just like that church was, just like the lady was. Like, I see it. I see your children, and I see that they are, they are walking in the truth. And that leads to verse 6 we see, be obedient to the truth. Again, we've talked about this a lot. I'm not going to say all of it, but as we read First John chapter 4, verse 20 and 21, it says this, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Five times does John in 1 John say he is a liar. He's just calling people out. He's just speaking the truth. He loves them, but he has to tell the truth. For who does, who does not love his brother whom he has seen? How can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. And so with this being found in the truth has to come this obedience to the truth. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. But a little later on in that same chapter, he says this, if you love me, what does he say? Keep my commands. Keep my commands. His obedience is is not optional. Obedience is a necessary discipline, choice of the genuine follower 
of Jesus. And what John is saying to the early church is, I see that. Way to go. I affirm that. First John chapter 5, verse, verse 3, For this is love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. You see, this is not a weight. God is not this cosmic shocker in the, in the sky wanting to shock us. He gives us these guidelines, just as we do for our kids as parents, so that they can, they can have a lighter load, so that they can live life with freedom, and so they can, they can be out of danger like I was in that bus that day. And says, be careful. So that leads to the fourth thing we find in verse 7 and 8. There is this challenge for us to protect alignment with the truth. Can we not go past that? We have to protect alignment with the truth. It's as if John is saying, we are to be the sentinels on the tower. You know, I I love medieval times. I don't know why. I've never been to uh, medieval shows over in that way. How many of you guys have been over there? I have not. Never been over there. Yeah, like two of you. Awesome. Okay. Probably more. You just want to admit it. Like, uh, I'm not one of those people. <laughs> but um, I, I love it. And, and, and the picture of a castle with these guards, these sentinels up there, and they're always watching out. There's always someone on the watchtower watching out the sentinel saying, danger is coming. In essence, that's what John is saying, is that the, the responsibility, the honest, the burden falls on us to be the sentinels, the protector of things that just don't line up with truth. And so a guy walks into a snack bar. You gotta love what I did there. A guy walks into a snack bar and asks the guy behind the counter if he could have a free Coke. Again, you gotta like what I did there. And he said, can I have a free Coke if I amaze you? And the guy behind the counter said, sure, that sounds fair. And so the guy that had walked into the snack bar, he got out. He got out a hamster, and the hamster begins to sing. He began to sing, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. And he finished that song. And the guy behind the counter was amazed. He said, that truly is amazing. And he gave him the free Coke. And the guy asked after that, it's like, I'd like another Coke. Could I have one if I amaze you more? And he said, sure, but just fine. We can do that. Got plenty of Coke. And so the guy got out a very small piano. He brought that hamster back out, and he got out a frog. And the hamster sat at the piano and began to play, and the frog began to sing, What a friend we have in Jesus. The guy behind the counter didn't even have words. He just filled up the Coke, bo- Coke, Coke cup and gave him the cup. And there was a gentleman who was dressed really nicely watching all of this from afar. And he said, hey, how much, how much would you want? If, if I could give you this princely sum of money, uh, could I buy that frog from you? And the guy's like, sure, that sounds fair. And the guy behind the counter told the guy, like, I can't believe you took that. Like, you could make a fortune off of that frog. And he said, can you keep a secret? The hamster's a ventriloquist. <laughs> yeah, I went there. <laughs> bring it back in. <laughs> Wherever you went with that, bring it back. Bring it back. Looking closely at this ver- these verses, we see a clear challenge that we and I included are responsible 
for putting up healthy guidelines, healthy walls, healthy guardrails around our lives personally, our family lives. That's our duty. That's our responsibility as moms and dads that follow Jesus. And it's our responsibility as this local expression of the big C church, little C church called Hope church, that we are together to come together to make sure that that we are in alignment with what this says. May it always be so. August 25th, 1835, there was an article in the New York Sun, and it's a report about Sir John Herschel, a British astronomer, and the report said that he discovered life on the moon looking through this telescope. He discovered life. This is 1835, all right? He discovered life on the moon. And on the moon were blue unicorns, tailless beavers walking on two legs. And as he wrote, the most spectacular of all bat-like, four-foot-tall moon people covered with copper-colored fur. And males and females began to read this because it's in the newspaper. It must be true. And males and females... Husbands and wives began to have heated conversations about whether this was true or not. Now, I want to pause there. May may I ask you to solve a heated conversation that me and my wife have had this week? Remember that. I want to stop right there. Okay, so a raise of hand. Do you put two spaces after a sentence before the next sentence after the period or one? What say you? For two, raise your hand. Okay, for one, raise your hand. Oh, no, I need everybody to vote. This is really important in my household right now. It's really important right now. So how many of you say two spaces? All right, I want everybody to look around. Don't, don't, don't put them down. Okay, all right, everybody vote. All right, put it down. One space. Okay, now, how many of you think the twos won? <laughs> One. I think there are more twos. We won. I'm right. I just want you to know that. <laughs> I want you to know that. That was so important that I do that today. All right. With that aside, there was this heated discussion in these homes in 1835 whether this was true or not until a reporter, Richard Allen's Law, confessed that he had made the whole thing up. And we know now like, that sounds crazy. But in 1835, they're like, wow, really? Awesome. That sounds really cool. Wouldn't that be strange? And through the years, deceivers and pranksters and false teachers have had their way in the body of Christ. Because the people in the body of Christ have let their guard down. Have stopped knowing the whole counsel of scripture for themselves. And not being able to identify like this is true and this is not. And that's what was happening. That's what he's saying there in verse 7 and verse 8. Watch out because there will always be, and even right now, there are, there are wolves in sheep's clothing who are ready to pounce to try to take the joy that Christ offers the body of Christ and take it away. Of course, we know here he's talking about whether the incarnation of Jesus is true or not. He's saying this is essential. If people are teaching that Jesus didn't come in the flesh, then you are to not have community with them. You are to not have fellowship with them. That sounds harsh, but what he's saying is this is really important. Is don't let your guard down. Why? Because without the incarnation, there can be no fellowship with God. 
There'd be no salvation if he was not fully God and fully man both. Jesus would be insufficient to save. He wouldn't be able to feel his, fulfill his identity as the Lamb of God who had come to take away the sins of the world. He couldn't be, in our Bible terms, he could not be our complete propitiation for our sins, paying in full as the Lamb of God, a sacrifice for our sins. Bishop Mool said it this way, a Savior not quite God is a bridge broken at the further end. Well, we could say today what John is saying, a bridge not quite man is a bridge broken at the further end. It's a both and. It's not an either or. You have to have both. But Jesus is, as we look at Scripture, Jesus is fully God, and Jesus is fully man. So Jesus is, is what John's saying. You have to protect this. Jesus is indeed sufficient to save. He is sufficient to save. He is the bridge, and he is the only bridge over the chasm created by our sin in this connection with the one true God. And he is the complete the complete bridge that we, as through faith, walk over through the propitiation of our sins that Jesus did on the cross, that we walk over, and he is completely satisfied the wrath of God, and he gives us salvation. So salvation is not through a knowledge in the mind. It's through a knowledge and relationship with God through Jesus. We must know the truth. We must love in truth. We must, be found, we must be found obedient to that truth. And then we are to protect it. We are to put those hedges around, whatever it takes to protect it and walk in it. And how do we do this? That leads to the fifth thing. Can I just give you a hint? It is not alone. It is not alone. All of these things lead up to the fifth thing. We do this as we finish up in verse 12 by being in community with followers of Jesus. You do not do this alone. We were not made to do this alone. You see, John realized something. Look at verse 12. He says this, I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit with you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. You see, right there in that verse, that simple verse, John is giving them the secret sauce of joy. The secret sauce. Now, you all have your secret ingredient sometimes in your whatever recipe that I don't even need to know what it is. What John is saying is like, if, you, if, if I don't come with you and enjoy community with you in person, my joy will never be complete. Our joy is complete, not alone, but together. And so may we not walk over verse 12 and just say, man, that was a really strong message. Thank you, John. May we realize that all of these things, are, they happen by being in biblical community with other followers of Jesus. You see, the enemy has sold us a lie. Right, give me a little time here. This is important that we acknowledge this. The enemy has sold us a lie in the 20th and 21st century that the best hour of our week is what we're doing right now. And by, by the way, I love what we're doing right now. I love worship. I look forward to it. I prepare for it. I'm trained to do this. I, I love it. 
It's my, it's, it's my ambition to make sure this one hour is, is as good as possible and as useful for you, as productive. And, but let me tell you, the enemy has told us a lie that what we're doing now is our best hour. And that's what, that's what John is saying. Like what, the best thing that we do is this one anothering, this togetherness that we call, Scripture uses the term koinonia, this biblical community. And so what we do here in an hour should propel us into deeper relationships throughout the week with each other. Because that is where we find that secret sauce, that joy. And so if you kind of approach, like, this is going to be my hour. I'm going to give this one hour, and that's all that you're experiencing in Christ. That's an incredible thing. That's an awesome thing. But that is a very minute and myopic view of what God has to offer you and the identity that you have as a part of the body of Christ, the family of God. So I'm going to talk about this a little bit uh, coming up in our next uh, message series. We're going to, I'm going to finish up 3 John next week, and we're going to do a series this fall called Rabbi. We're going to walk through what does it mean to be an apprentice of Jesus. But I'm going to talk about this. Like biblical community is not a side thing that if we have time in the margin in our life, that, that we, we'll, we'll take part in every once in a while. Like, I'll be in a small group this fall, and like, I'll, I'll see if I can fit it in. And what John is saying, like, look, if, if you're not experiencing this, this, this one-anothering, and you are missing out, and you're not having the complete joy that God has to offer you. We are called and invited into a Jesus-centered, life-changing, ongoing, deep, caring relationship with each other we call biblical community. It's tough these days, right? Like, there's a lot of people here, and there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of people not here today. Like, this is our reality that that we cannot discount. Like, COVID is around us, right? And there's a lot of people at home. I don't know how many, but a whole lot of people right now. And like, I'm looking at you right now. Whether you're in that camera or that one, I don't know which one. But man, we love you, and you are a part of this, and you are worshiping with us. But realize what John is saying. He's writing. He's right. That's all they could do then. No telephone, no Facebook or anything like that. He's doing the only thing he, he can do to communicate and be connected with these bo- other bodies, these other families of God that, that he is connected to. But what he's saying is that is not enough. That is not enough. And so to be connected with us and worship virtually will never be the same. It will never be enough. And that's what we have to figure out. And, and we have to We have to figure out how to do this. I'm not sure if we have the answer yet, but how do we be faithful to this truth? That that we, in verse 12, we learn that nothing can replace the gathering of the saints in person. And, And so this season is a season. I don't know how long the season is. We all had hoped we got past this season, right? Let's be honest. Okay, it's not a fun time for a whole lot of people right now. Not a fun time for the one you're looking at up here. Like there's decisions that affects everything and affect all of our choices, right? But, but may it be a season that we don't let the enemy pluck this, this beauty, this powerful thing of this connection to one another. May we never stop realizing how important that we have to be relationally connected because we can worship online, and that's amazing, and so many of you guys are, are joining us, but may it be soon that we can all 
be connected in deep friendship, deep relationship, because that is where our joy is made complete. And that is the vision of hope. If you're looking for a church that has an incredible one-hour worship experience, and that's all you are looking for, well, I'm glad you're here, but that's not us. That's not us. But if that's you and you're here, may I invite you to something so much richer and deeper. Jump in to the secret sauce of the body of Christ, and that is community. In the coming days, we're rolling out what that looks like here at Hope. And so don't let the enemy snatch that joy that you are invited into out of that. The band's going to come up, and I'm going to close a different way. I just feel compelled to close a little different than I wanted to or that I had planned to. Um, But John is saying this. He's saying to the early church, I love you. God loves you. I love you. Watch out. Watch out. So may I say to you today, that's my heart. I love you. I'll just say for you, watch out. These in the room, watch out for you. At home, watch out. Make sure you hold to the things that are truthful and that we walk in what John was talking about, that we hold to the truth but live in love toward each other and to those around us. Man, there's a lot going on. I want to close with this. The band's going to have a closing song. I don't know what response means for you. If you need someone to talk to, um, there's at the bottom of that connection card um, that we tear off, you're going to put in that offering box on the way out. There's a place there I'd like to talk to a pastor. We will follow up if you indicate that. If you need someone to talk to um, this week, if you have questions, you're like, man, that was confusing. Make sure to indicate that, and, and we will follow up ASAP. But um, what we have, we have covid upticks of COVID. Um, we have a, what they were saying this morning would become a category five hurricane bearing down on a lot of people that we love. I mean, I saw Gary Johnson, you're at home. She's probably worshiping us right now online. Like she's got land there. She's got family there. You probably know people. You probably have family in way. Like, man, that's a category five to place in that, like that or anywhere. That's, gosh, that's crazy. You got what's happening in Afghanistan. And like our brothers and sisters in Christ are not safe right now in Afghanistan. Like that should break our hearts. There's so much going on. We got got family, like our own family who have lost loved ones this week. I think of uh, Devin, you're watching with us online, like the Cooleys, Devin and Sandy. Devin lost his mom this week to COVID. And her celebration of life is Tuesday. Like, man, like, we got so much going on. I I think we got people right now who are watching that are sick, like sick, sick. And got family members that are sick. And uh, I just feel led. I don't know why, but I just feel like sometimes we're driven to our knees. We should just pray. If I can get through it. So let's do that. Jesus, so much peace and knowing these few verses that we read today, God, that We don't tread this world alone. You are with us and you are in us. Jesus, may we just think about what that means for us individually today. No matter our struggle, 
No matter, matter the hurdle or the burden, the oppression that is upon us, you are and will always be with us. And as we trust in you, not only around us, you are in us, strengthening us. God, thank you for in our weakness, you are strong. And God, we are driven to our knees right now, burdened for so many things. God, your word says to cast all cares upon you. So that's what we do, just being obedient, just like we've learned today. We lay them at your feet. We pray for the Cooley family. God, would you comfort? Would you grant peace? I know they're celebrating because Jan knew you, and man, what a life well lived, and she's more alive now than she ever has been. And we celebrate that blessed truth, that blessed hope that we have. But God, be with my brother. Be with his dad. He's lost his, lost his long-term helpmate in life. You took her home. God, just be with them right now. God, for those right now who are in harm's way all around the world, God, for those in Louisiana, God, would you have mercy? Would you protect? Because somehow, some way, God, would you be lifted up? God, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, God, is. As they stand for truth, God, would you protect and would you multiply their influence as they are faithful to protect your word and to live obediently to it today? God, I pray for those who are sick. We got a lot that I know, some in our church family and many others in our community. God, I pray that our church's response would be not one of fear because God, that is not a product of your spirit. You cast out all fear. But God, our response be one of care. God, find us faithful and loving and caring for those in our community who need us. God, would you find us faithful? God, thank you for your word today. Thank you for walking with us. Thank you for the spirit, spirit that gives us great, incredible insights into it. God, find us not today just to be hearers of your word, but to put it to practice, but to be doers. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you sing this with me? When darkness tries to roll over my bones, when sorrow comes to steal the joy I hold, when brokenness and pain is all I know, I won't be shaken. I won't be shaken Cause my fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance When I My fear doesn't stand a chance when I 